Amen. If you have your Bibles this evening, we're in the book of Mark, chapter number three tonight. We've been studying treasures from the book of Mark. We're going to read tonight verses 13 through 19 this evening. The Bible says in Mark chapter 3 and verse number 13, And he goeth up into a mountain, and calleth unto him whom he would. And they came unto him. And he ordained twelve that they should be with him, and that he might send them forth to preach, and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils. And Simon, he surnamed Peter, and James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James. And he surnamed them Boanerges, which is the sons of thunder, and Andrew, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, which also betrayed him, and they went into a house. Now, we've been studying through the book of Mark. We've kind of got sidetracked just a little bit here studying this list of disciples. And we're finding out there are men just like us. Very plain, ordinary, common men that the Lord used despite their faults and despite their failures. And, and I think about my own faults and my own failures. And when I read this list and think about some of the things that the characteristics that they've got, I get persuaded that maybe God can use our lives. Maybe God will use us to advance his kingdom. And and I think about that, yes, God uses different kinds of people. Uh, Simon Peter was definitely a dynamic, strong, bold leader. He was a man that took charge. He was a, a man that was uh, initiating and uh, he confronted, he rebuked, and, and he, he was outspoken. And then you have men that were like uh, Andrew who was very soft-spoken and very easygoing and was always bringing someone to Jesus. He was interested in playing second fiddle and he did it quite well. Uh, please note with me that the Lord called 12 men to be his disciples, 11 of which were faithful. One became a defector. He betrayed the Lord. Uh, I thought about this, that the Lord didn't call 200. The Lord didn't call 2,000. Sometimes we think that if we're going to have an impact on people's lives, we've got to be part of some large group, some large ministry to get out there if we're going to impact the world. But we should be reminded that God uses small groups of people all the time. I started looking through the Bible. Elijah, by himself, with God's blessing upon him, defeated 850 prophets. Amen. Uh, we know that uh, Samson slew a thousand with a jawbone. Shamgar killed a 600 with an ox, uh, uh, ox goat. Gideon uh, organized 32,000 men to go and fight 150,000. And the Lord cut him down and cut him down. And he ended up with less than 1%, 300 people out of 32,000. And God gave a great victory just to a small group. David, King David, when he was just a shepherd boy, took one stone and slung it at a giant and defeated him and put the whole Philistian army on the run. Jonah preached just one message to Nineveh and the whole city repented. Simon Peter stood up and preached. One man preached one message and 3,000 people got saved on Pentecost. Hear me, we don't need more and more and more to impact the world. What we need is more willingness. What we need is more commitment, more faith, amen? Jesus chose 12 common, ordinary men. And when you take the common, ordinary man and put that man's faith in the supernatural God, you'll have something powerful, amen? 
The Bible says if God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. So Philip, we're going to look at him tonight. Philip, the Bible says in verse number 18, Andrew and Philip. We're going to look at Philip. Philip is, I'm labeling him the often limited disciple. Preacher Darren, why do you call him the often limited disciple? Because he's often limited by his own unbelief, by his own lack and lapse of faith. And I find myself doing the same thing all the time. Amen. Let's just mention a few things tonight. Four things will be done. Number one, I want to turn to the book of John, chapter number one. And I want us to study Philip's conversion tonight. We remember it in verses 35 through 42. Uh, John the Baptist had uh, baptized Jesus. He said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. And he pointed John, the disciple, and Andrew to go and follow the Lord Jesus Christ, which they did. And the Bible says that Andrew went and found his brother, Simon Peter, and said, We found the Messiah, which being interpreted is the Christ. And he brought Simon Peter to the Lord, and the Lord said, You're not going to be Simon any longer. That's unstable. You're going to be named Cephas. That means a stone. We pick up the story in verse number 43. The next day, following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip. And saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. What about that? What do you think he did? He began to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord went into Galilee to find Philip. After he'd got Andrew, John, and Peter, he went the next day and went a little further, and he went after Philip. I'm glad that the Lord came to seek and to save that which was lost. The Bible says in verse 44 that Philip was of a village called Bethsaida. That means the house of fish. It's the same city uh, that Andrew and Simon Peter are from. And it's a very wicked city, but the grace of God. Here comes the Lord Jesus, who is the epitome of the grace of God, comes walking into this evil place, and he found Philip. Thank God for it. He's still able, thank God, to reach down into the pit of sin and lift up a bunch of old hog gut sinners and forgive us of, I feel preaching stirring, and forgive us of our sin and save our sin sick souls. Amen. And change us forever. By following, the Lord says to Philip, follow me. By following, it means leave where you are. Leave the sin. Turn away from sin. Leave where you are. That's repentance. It's implying repentance. Leave behind who you are. Leave behind who you were and follow me. It's repentance and then walking by faith. Notice with me, Philip didn't know where he was going. He was just following the Lord. Amen. Hear me tonight. You and I, we think we always have to know where we're going. And that's killing us. That limits us because if we don't, if the door's open, but we don't know what's out there, we won't go through it, amen? We kind of have to be pushed to go through it. And that lapse of faith is hindering us terribly. Conversion, what is that? Well, you take money. If you take money and you go to another country, and there's a conversion. It means to change it from one to another. Thank God I got saved. I got converted. 
I was lost in my sins, but I got converted, and now I'm saved, praise God, and I'm on my way to heaven. And what happens after you get converted? Look in verse 44, verse 45. Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. What is the evidence of his conversion and his following Christ? Evangelism. He goes out and tells his friends and tells his loved ones and tells others about a man named Jesus. Amen. So number one, we see his conversion. Number two, I want us to think about his commonness. His commonness. Philip is a very common name. We still use it today quite often. It is a Greek derivative of his Jewish name. All 12 of the disciples were Jews. Philip was a Jew, but he chose to use the, the Greek derivative, the Greek version of his name. You know, Levi used the name Matthew. That was, that was his name. And what I think about Philip being a very common name, you know what his name means? This is super spiritual. Lover of horses. That's what his name means. Lover of horses. Maybe he was born into an outdoorsy family and they, they loved animals outside and they named that boy lover of horses because he'll grow up loving horses. But Philip, when I look at his life, he's a lot like the horses that he's supposed to love because he's very high-spirited. He is filled with power and fury and he oftentimes has a narrow focus and he needs to be broken. Well, Preacher Darren, that's what conversion's all about. There's a breaking there. You're exactly right. But every day I have to crucify my flesh, amen? And that conversion is still happening and working in my life. He is breaking me and probably you each and every day of our lives, whether we want to admit that or not. So it's a very common name with a very common meaning. He's from a common town. Bethsaida, we said, is the house of fish. It's a hard-working fishing village. I want to say tonight, if you looked at yourself in a spiritual mirror, I, I did just look at myself as I studied this, I looked at myself in the spiritual mirror, and I see how far short I am and, and, and where I don't measure up, and I sit there and I look in that spiritual mirror and I say, God, how could you ever call me? God, how could you ever save me? God, how could you ever use me? You ever done that? Have you ever looked in your life and say, God, why did you save me? God, God why, how can you, what do you want me to do, Lord? I, I can't do nothing. Lord, what, what do you want me to do? You may, you may ask that question. So that's a very common question. We're going to identify with that just a little bit tonight. Thirdly, I think about Philip's consistency. Now, don't lose your place here in John, but I want to go back to Mark's gospel in chapter 3 where we were reading just a minute ago, and I want to see something tonight that's very important about his consistency. Now, Mark's gospel says, these disciples in verse 16, there is the first one, Simon Peter. He's always listed first in Matthew 10, Mark 3, Luke 6, and Acts 1. Peter's always listed first. Then James and John and Andrew. That's your first group of four. The last three are often, in these different passages, a little mixed up. 
but the leader's always the same. And then we come to Philip. He's listed fifth grace, amen, in this list. And in all four places that we have a list of disciples, Philip is always fifth. He is the leader of the second group. And that second group in different passages is a little bit jumbled up, but it's always the same four. It is Philip and it is Bartholomew. It is Matthew and Thomas. And Philip's always the leader of that group. And he is very consistent in his life. Now, when I use the word consistent, he is undeviating. He is steady. He is dependable. He is unchanging. He is faithful. He is reliable. He is unwavering. When you look in the spiritual mirror, do you find any of those qualities or characteristics about your life? Would you be considered faithful, reliable, dependable? Philip is the guy that every Sunday morning, Sunday night and Wednesday night, when you look, he's in his pew. Philip is the guy, he arrives at five minutes till or 15 minutes till or an hour before and he does it every single time unless he's terribly sick. He is a picture of faithfulness. We need consistency in our walk with the Lord. And it's time, I've been doing it myself, to take some inventory of our walk with the Lord. Are we faithful and dependable to pray? to study and to read God's word that we might teach and witness and testify as we're called upon. Hear me, this is very, this is very huge what I'm going to say right here. Be careful because sometimes the most gifted people are the most inconsistent. You'll see people that are very gifted at Maybe at preaching or at teaching or at singing. They're very gifted. But when it comes to being faithful and reliable and dependable and being consistent, they're not that because their gift is so strong that they can cover up the fact that they're not reliable and not dependable and not faithful in every area of their life. Sometimes the most gifted people can be the most inconsistent in their walk. I'm just asking you to look in the spiritual mirror and take some inventory tonight, amen? Now we're talking about Philip. We're labeling him the limited disciple. Oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes the limited disciple. Fourthly, and I'm going to be done. I want us to think about his character. Now we were over here reading in John chapter 1, and I ask you to hold your place. I want to go back to it. Philip had the Lord come after him. He found him and said, follow me. And I believe Philip began to follow him. And the next verse in chapter, verse 45, Philip went then uh, because of the fruit of his uh, conversion, he goes out to find Nathanael. And he says, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now I want you to see his character here. His fruit of conversion is witnessing and evangelism. And obviously, obviously I believe that Philip was looking for the Messiah when the Messiah came and found him. And when the Messiah called upon him, he immediately began to follow him 
turning from his sin and turning by faith to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to say a couple things about his character. He was loving. He loved the Lord. Do you love the Lord? But he was limited. Well, look at his statement right here. Here's a young convert. He's Jesus Christ of Nazareth, comma, the son of who? Joseph. Is he the son of Joseph? Well, preacher Darren, he's a father figure, earthly speaking, in his life. But truly, the father of Jesus Christ is the Holy Ghost. God the Father is the Father Lord Jesus Christ. Here, Philip, he's, he's very loving, but a new convert, he doesn't know all things yet. He's, he's filled with zeal, but he doesn't have wisdom. You've got to be careful, especially for me as a preacher, when I'm up preaching that I'm not hurting people, that I'm up rightly dividing the word of truth, and I'm not just preaching or I'm not just teaching or putting my opinions forth from the pulpit. You must do it in your cell, on your cell phone and from your Sunday school class and from your judgment of other people. Time to take an inventory of your spiritual walk. You love the Lord, but if you're not careful, your personal opinions and your zeal to do it the way you think you need to do it can get in the way of what God's wanting to do in your life and in the lives of others. Look with me here what happens. Nathaniel said unto him, can, in, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith unto him, Behold an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. You see that? He figured it out. The Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter you shall see the heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Let's go back to what Philip said. Philip said, Nathaniel, we have found him. I have a question. Who found who? You see, he's very loving, but he's limited in his knowledge of things. He's filled with zeal. We found him. Look what we've done. Look what I've done. Right? Who found who? Jesus found him. Now, I get it. I, I, I get it. The Bible says, um, um, I want to turn to Jeremiah 29, 13. I get it. Jeremiah 29, 13. This just, come to my, this just come to my heart as I was standing here, not my notes. Jeremiah 29, 13. I want to see this tonight. The Bible says, you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. Now there was a sense that Philip was looking for the Messiah. Do you see that? There is a sense in which he was seeking the Lord and he found him. When the Lord found him, he found the Lord. 
when you shall search for me with all your heart. What about that? That's incredible. You, you and I have to think about the Ethiopian eunuch. He went one day to go worship in Jerusalem and he didn't get one thing and he was on his way back. Okay? And we have an evangelist by the name of Philip, different one. We have an evangelist by the name of Philip who saw him out there and went out. He said, understandest what thou readest. He said, how can I accept some man should guide me? Now, how did Philip know to go to the desert and the wilderness where this eunuch would be passing through? Philip had been preaching revival and people were getting saved like crazy. And right in the middle of that great meeting, God said, I want you to go to the desert place. Huh? Why, things are moving here so good. Here's the thing. There's an Ethiopian eunuch that's searching for me and I found him and I want him to find me. You go tell him about me right now. And he pulled up stakes in revival and went to the wilderness in a desert place and led that man to the Lord. I'm just telling you who found who. I'll tell you, it's crazy, but uh, you may not much believe in it, but when I was a little feller, they'd pull my baby teeth and they'd put them under my pillow. And I, I put, or at least I put them under my pillow in hopes that somebody would come. Y'all don't know who it is, do you? The tooth fairy. And I would leave that decayed tooth underneath my pillow and the next morning I put my hand underneath there and the tooth was gone, but there was a dollar. And I said, "Woo! I found the dollar. Wait a minute. Did I find the dollar or did the dollar find me? Amen. Now I was searching for it and in searching for it, Somebody made sure it found its way to me. Honey, if you're looking for the Lord, He'll make sure to make a way to bring you in. If you're looking for light, He will be your light. Amen. May I also say that Philip was not ashamed of the Lord. He got saved. He got converted. He didn't have everything completely figured out. He might have had his eyes dotted and his T's crossed, but he's not ashamed of the Lord. He immediately goes to Nathaniel and says, we found the Messiah. We found the Christ. The Bible says that whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Paul said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Well, he was loving, but he was limited by his lack of faith and his lack of wisdom. His and his lack of, his, he had too much zeal, too much exuberance. Now, we're going to read a lot about Philip and John. I want to turn again to John chapter number 6 now. Jesus is preaching and Jesus is out in the wilderness as he's preaching and thousands of people have come to hear him preach and here they are in this remote location. It's growing late in the day. The people are hungry and they don't have anything to eat. And in John chapter 6, verse 2, a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover of feast of the Jews was nigh. I'm telling you, there was a huge crowd there. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto who? Philip. Individually, he speaks to Philip. He says, Philip, whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? 
See, Jesus, the Bible says, this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. So the Lord is testing Philip. Here's this disciple who has just been converted. Here's this disciple who went to a wedding with Jesus and when they run out of wine, he said, fill all these stone pots with water and when they poured out, it was wine. Amen, remember that story? He was down there at the pool of Bethesda where five porches, a man laid there for 38 years and the Lord walked up and said, would that be made whole? And he said, I have no man that can help me in the pool. He laid his hand on him and he said, he healed him and he told him to stand up and he said, go and sin no more. From that very, hey, Philip was there and he saw the power of God. And now the Lord is saying, Philip, whence shall we go to buy bread that all this crowd, 5,000 men, maybe more women, maybe twice as many children, maybe 20,000 people there. He knows who he's asking. You see, here's Philip. Philip is the man of acquisitions. Philip is the man about distribution of supplies. Philip is the problem solver. Philip is the strategizer. Philip is the man of logistics. Philip is the one who reckons. Philip is the one who analyzes. Philip is the one who assesses the issue and after he does, he comes back and says, Lord, 200 penny worth of bread. Look at it. 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. I don't know if he had a convert, if he, if he had a conversation with Judas who was the treasurer and said, how much money's in the bag? And he said, we have two denarii, 200 denarii, which means one denarius is a day's wage. I don't know if they had that much or not. I don't know if he took a straw poll to say, hey, this is all we got to buy this much. I don't know. But here's a guy who's got a narrow focus and all he sees is here's how many people there are and here's how much it's going to take to feed them that they all get a little bit. And that's what we do. We count, we number, we calculate, we strategize, we try to compute it out. Well, let me see. And, it, and divided by plus equals, Lord, it just don't work. We can't. I wonder if Philip was on the finance committee. And he's the guy that sat down and said, we can't do that. We ain't never done that before and we ain't going to start doing it now. Isn't that? Here's the thing. Good sense blinded Philip because all he did, this is what we, we do it all the time. All he did was reason in human thinking and intellect that there's no way we can do this. You see, what he did was he left God out of the equation. He left the supernatural God, the God of impossibility. With God, nothing, nothing shall be impossible. It just escaped his thinking. And I do this all the time. I'm a bean counter, y'all. Analytical, narrow focus, looking at the bottom line, trying to strategize, trying to take facts and figures. And when you do that, you'll oftentimes miss faith. Amen? Philip is lacking faith. 
and God's testing him. God will test you. He's still testing faith today. Many years ago in this church, we had this dilemma, a building full we need to add on. It's going to take millions of dollars if we want to do what we'd like to do. And there's, we don't have it. We, there's no way. I went to six banks, y'all. Six banks told me no. And finally, some crazy person at the bank said, yeah, let's do this. I know who you report to. And I believe he's good for it. And God did it. And, and we're still on the hook for it. But every, every month, we open up the meal barrel and Praise God, another handful's there to go another mile, to go another day, to go another month. And I thank God for it. That's what he does. And here's the thing. I'm thinking if I'm going to take spiritual inventory, Lord, you've grown me a lot through this process. I think I'm getting ready to face another obstacle. Another project is coming for me right now. You've got a building over there that's completely filled with students and no place else to put them. And I'm, it's about to burst wide open. And I'm like, Lord, what are we going to do? I don't understand it. And I think I've just learned to kneel and say, Lord, I believe you are who you say you are. You are the way. You are the means to make this happen. I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to watch and see what my God's going to do. My Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please him. The Bible says we don't walk by sight. What we see, the bottom line, the facts, the figures, we walk by faith. Couldn't believe it when you sung that song tonight. I like to fell out on the floor when he started singing, living by faith. That, listen, I'm telling you, God's testing us just like he's testing Philip, amen. He was logical, logical in his thinking. But his analysis and his ability to have a narrow focus limited God working in his life. It was Andrew that went out of that crowd and said, do you have anything to eat? Do you have anything to eat? Lord, there's a lad here, got five loaves and two fishes. But what are they among so many? And the Lord gave thanks and blessed it and fed that whole multitude till they were bellies fat and about ready to pop open and they took up 12 baskets full. I think Philip counted the baskets. 12 baskets full left over. They couldn't have got that to start with. You see, Philip was a disciple, but his lack of faith limited him. Are you hearing me? You're logical, but sometimes your human logic is limiting the supernatural resources of an almighty God. I want to turn to another one in John chapter 12. I want you to see that uh, we have uh, Philip here who is, uh, I believe he's liberated. He's set free. God saved him. And I think that Philip, I want to tell you this, I think Philip is somebody who wants to do it by, by the book. He wants to do it by the right policy, with the right procedures, we're going to set some things in motion and it's always going to be just like this. Well, look with me in John chapter 12 and I want to start reading in verse 20. And there were certain Greeks, time out, Greeks, that means they're Gentiles. They're not allowed to go into the, to the main part of the temple. There's areas they can get around, but that's it. They were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came therefore to Philip which was of Bethsaida of Galilee and desired him saying, Sir, 
we would see Jesus. What about that? These Gentiles, they didn't go to Peter, James, or John. They went to Philip. Why do you think they went to Philip? He has a Greek derivative of his name. They believe that this man Philip, that's one of the disciples of Jesus, will be their connection, will be their way in. And so they come to Philip and say, hey, we're God-fearing Greeks who's come to Jerusalem to observe and celebrate the Passover and we want to see Jesus. Will you arrange a meeting with us? We've approached you. You're warm-hearted. But watch this. He did not take them to Jesus. Verse 22. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew. And again, Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. So in other words, because he wants to do things by the book and do things by procedure, Philip is in a quandary. Gentiles want to see Jesus? Uh, I don't know about this. He's remembering some scripture. He remembers what the Lord said. Listen to what the Lord said. In Matthew 10, 5, Jesus said, Go not into the way of the Gentiles. Well, I'm not supposed to go into the way of the Gentiles, but now, bless God, the Gentiles are coming to me. And chapter 42 in section 12 and subheading 3 doesn't tell me what I'm supposed to do in this situation. Here's what he forgot. In John chapter 6, verse 37, Jesus said, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Philip was uncertain that Jesus would see these Gentiles. He's unsure. He's lacking faith. And his lacking faith here, though he's set free, though he's been liberated, he doesn't know about others being liberated. And I'm telling you, he's so narrow focused, he's missing the message of grace. What about that? So Philip tells Andrew, and my Bible says Andrew and Philip tells Jesus. If we're not careful, we'll become so narrow-minded in our thinking that we will not be able to see beyond specifics. We'll become short-sighted and we'll become misguided. And Andrew, every time we see him, he's bringing others to Jesus. But when we see Philip, he is stumbling over himself trying to get people to Jesus. Have you ever gotten in your own way trying to get other people to Jesus because you didn't understand how the protocol and how the policy and what everybody's going to think and maybe you're a little reluctant, maybe you're insecure, maybe you're unsure, maybe you're skeptical? Jesus, verse 23, he answered them saying, the hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Jesus said, I'm going to die, and I'm going to be raised up again. And when I do, I'm going to bring forth much fruit. It'll be more fruit than just these Jews. It'll be to the message of grace will go to the ends of the world. 
Verse 25, he that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. What was his first words to Philip? Follow me. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. Then came a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people therefore that stood by and heard it said that it thundered. And others said, an angel spake to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. Amen. Philip, we would, sir, we would see Jesus. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what, if this is, I mean, this is a little weird. This is, it's a little different. It's, I'm just, I don't know. Andrew, what do you think? Let's go talk to Jesus about it. And God's voice thundered to so much to where it ministered to those very Gentiles that Philip was tripping over himself trying to get them to Jesus. Sometimes we get in their very own way and it limits us. Be careful there, amen. One more and I'm done. In John chapter 14, we remember this story very well. The Lord Jesus has invited all of his disciples to the upper room. He's washed their feet. He's sitting down to have bread with them. And he said, this night one of you shall betray me. And all of them looked and said, Lord, is it I, is it I, is it I, is it I? He said, it's the one that dippeth with me in the dish. And Judas had the dish at that very time. And he said, is it I? And the Lord said, thou hast said. And from that hour, Judas went out into the night. And the Lord went forward with having that last supper, the bread and the, and the, fruit, of the fruit of the vine with his disciples that night. While he's in that room, listen to his words in John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'd go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way, you know. Thomas, one of those amongst the second group that Philip's the leader of. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And if ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Verse number 8. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. What a statement. I mean, here's Philip. He's been loyal. He's dependable. He's loyal. But he's limited. 
Lord, show us the Father and it sufficeth us. Look what Jesus said. Have I been so long time with you and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. Philip was so restrictive and so limited in his ability to receive and to perceive the truth. He had been with Jesus for three and a half years every single day and had looked in the face of Jesus. Oh, honey, he knew who Jesus was by his voice. He knew he was by his physical appearance. He knew who he was by his face and the way he walked. But somehow he's not receiving or perceiving who God the Father is in his daily walk with him. Are you there? Do you do that? You miss the love of the Father working in your life because you get so involved in the details and counting all the things that you don't have and all the prayer requests that are not answered to this point that you fail to see the big picture. He said, the Father dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. Imagine that. Folks in attendance to church three times a week and not knowing who Jesus is. Not knowing his ability to touch our hearts and to lead and bless our lives. And may I stand tonight as your pastor and say, how little I know about his ability. How little I know about his grace. How little I know about his mercy. How little I know about his power. I long to know more, don't you? And I want to be loyal to him. I want to be faithful. But sometimes my faith is lapsing and it limits God working in my life. I'm just taking spiritual inventory here. Look what he went on to say. This is huge. Verily, verily, verse 12, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. In other words, I'm going to be on the right hand of God the Father, making intercession for you, for you, and you have the ability to do even greater things than's already been done. How many of y'all believe that tonight? How many of y'all are exercising that tonight? Verse 13. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. <laughs> that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. How many of y'all believe that tonight? How many of y'all are exercising that tonight? 
well, I believe you'll do it for Preacher Tyler, and I'll believe you'll do it for Brother Seth, and I'll tell him, just trust him. He's going to do it for you. I believe he's going to do it. What if they look back at me and said, Preacher Darren, do you believe he's going to do it for you? Can I get a witness? Lord, Philip said, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Have I been so long time with you, Philip? And you don't know that the Father is in me and I'm in the Father. And you don't know it's the Father doing the works. Preacher Darren in Bethel Baptist Church, have you been so long with me? Look around and see what I'm doing and the souls I'm saving and the miracles I'm doing and how I've blessed you beyond measure. And just know that I'm hearing your prayers and I'm answering in accordance to my will. Trust me. Follow me. Leave where you are and follow me. Leave your limitations. Leave your human intellect. Leave your little old resources. Count your dollar bills and trust me for the supernatural resources that only I can provide. Woo! Philip, the often limited disciple, I identify with so well. God help me just to bow the knee and say, oh God, I just want to trust you. Lord, I, I can try to figure it out. I can try to calculate it. I can try to do the logistics of it. And I can try to count the supplies. And I can look around and try to use my resources. And God, I can't do it. Lord, to me, it just can't be done. But God, Tonight when I read your word and I look in this spiritual mirror, I am reminded that I can't, but my faith in an unlimited God will enact the supernatural in our lives. Lord, to meet needs to save souls. God, we have loved ones that need to be saved. God, I'm begging you to convict them. Lord, there's burdens all around us, God. I pray, God, you'd answer and meet needs. And God, you'd grant miracles before our very faces, God. Help us, Lord. We have a debt right now that we cannot pay. But God, you can. We have a project that lies before us, God, that we're insecure about. It's very risky. But God, when I see it, I'm limited. But when I look in the spiritual mirror of the Word of God, by faith, I need to follow you. Help us then, God, I pray. Would you grant to us, God, your resources? Would you help us, God, as we confess to you tonight? Lord, we're confessing our inability. We're confessing our lack of faith. We're confessing our flesh, our failures, our faults. God, if you can use a man like Philip with his faults and failures and lack of faith, God, would you help us, God, as you teach us, Lord, and help us, God, to go forward. Lord, I love you and I praise you, for it's in Jesus' name that I pray and ask. Amen and amen. I'm thinking about the preacher who started a little orphanage in school at his church. And his church wasn't much for it. But they got involved and they fell in love with those little children, those orphans. The church was limited with their resources and their ability to take care of that many children. 
And one day they came and told the preacher, we don't have any food for the children and they're awaiting at breakfast now. We don't have any money to get milk. We don't have any money to buy bread. We can't make any French toast. We can't make any pancakes. The children are hungry. What are we going to do? The preacher just fell and began to pray. He said, oh God, I believe you own the cattle on a thousand hills. Would you sell a few of them and send us the money? God, would you help us, Lord, that there might be milk? And while he was praying, there come a knock on the door. And the secretary opened the door and she said, yes, can I help you? He said, I'm the milkman. And my truck is broken down out here on the side of the road. And it's going to be hours before I can get it fixed. And I've got all this milk that's going to waste and spoil. Do y'all have any need for milk? I'd love to give it to you. They started shouting praise of God. And then guess what happened? The bread man came and he said, listen, we've made way too much bread. We've got a, a mix up. In our typical recipe, we've got more bread than we can actually move today. I'm asking y'all, do y'all need any bread? Could y'all use loaves and loaves and loaves of bread? Because it's just going to be thrown away if y'all don't want it. Honey, I'm telling you, God supplied milk and he set on bread. And them youngins eat French toast and syrup and had good old drinks of milk. Honey, I'm telling you, our God can. If we'll call on him, he still can. Do you believe that tonight? Will you exercise that tonight? Amen. You stand to your feet. Father, thank you for our time together. May you bless us, Lord. Increase our faith, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Good night. God bless you. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. I hope you can go home and be encouraged.